When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on coworkers asking you to finish their work. Who should be invited to a wedding? Borrowing trucks to move furniture and asking for money instead of gifts at your wedding. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your question of the week is about gender-inclusive titles. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on Emily's house on Martha's Vineyard. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Because we had to do some serious uh, dining manners moments on our little mini work vacation together. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We had to eat lobster out of the shell in front of all of each other. (laughs) I think I even stood on a chair and took a picture of a dining room table, which I've never done in my entire life. But Lizzie Poe's serving up a lobster dinner was um, definitely worth it. (laughs) It was a really a dining moment I felt because like the kids were learning about like the claw crackers and stuff. They didn't have lobsters themselves. They were like, Anisha was more skeptical. I remember she saw the lobster on the plate and she was like, is it going to bite me? (laughs) And it was, that was like one of those moments, right? Like, no, how do I tell you what's really going on here? (laughs) I was so proud of her. she tried it. I think right? that took Didn't more bravery some? than it might have um, than than it might have read to oh. an outside observer. But knowing my my little girl, I think that um, she was holding it together and did such a good job. I was so <laughs> proud of her. Did she try any of the lobster? I don't know if we got that far. If we got that far, because I know she was interested in how everyone was dissecting them, like, you know, like getting them open and getting the meat out of them. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. She was really intrigued by the whole thing, but they they are so real. They yeah. look like a thing. That it's she's... a real animal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Can 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 see the different parts of and know what Crustacean. they are. Crustacean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's, you know, like, what, six or eight legs, two big claws, antennas, eyeballs. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, lobsters are a thing. That's for sure. That's for sure. It was really fun to all sit around the table and just, you're, you, you go past that kind of delicate stage, you know? We didn't have bibs, but it was like, it was, it was tear in, you know? Like, if, if juice squirts from the person next to you, just say, oops, sorry. <laughs> you know, like, it's, <laughs> At least I hit my own face with the juice that time. Oh, right. 
And clearly, I don't know if you knew this before or not, Lizzie Post, lobsters are a favorite of my mother. And yes. it's not something that she often does for herself. And she certainly enjoyed being part of all that. And I definitely found her the next day at lunch with a lobster claw and a lemon wedge. <laughs> <laughs> Standing at the kitchen counter. They are, they are so, so deliciously good. So deliciously good. Well, I certainly had a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me to come down. It was really nice to get out of Burlington for a little bit. And it was really fun to, to see the kids and just kind of be, to be in a different environment was really for me the, the big part of that whole trip was like, wow, not my living room. <laughs> <laughs> that part was really incredible, no question. After, what, 14, 16 months to, to really change venue, at least for me. Um, for real. It was uh, 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 unbelievable and, and, and satisfying in so many ways that I didn't expect. Oh. And taking a four-year-old back to a place that you spent time in your childhood, the the whole trip took on this magical quality for me that I just, I, I couldn't have anticipated before, before it, <laughs> it happened. I, I was imagining that sort of that whole post pandemic feel, but I think because Anisha, my now four and a half year old daughter had been home for those 16 months in some ways, I missed seeing some of those new things through her eyes in the same way. And it kind of like her growing so up through the world around her. It was, it was limited to the house for the past year. Yeah. Exactly. And there was something that, that, that was sort of hyper accelerated, I think, about us going out together, but then also layering in that experience of a nostalgia, of sort of a first family vacation with a oh, lot of nostalgia. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dan, are you are you willing to share one of the really cute things that was going on during this whole vacation? And you had told me about it when I came down, like prepping me that Anisha had been doing this and that it was really cute. But then I actually got to hear it in action and Cindy ended up having like a whole a whole morning of it one day that just like cracked us all up. But kids, you know how like you don't realize sometimes kids are kids learning things until until you hear them say stuff in very kid ways as opposed to kind of like the the adult standards we all get used to. Like, where are you from? Are you here on vacation? Things like that. And Anisha had just really cute ways of talking. She was talking to everybody around her. It was so cute. That was my favorite part. She she literally would speak to every person Everyone. who would cross paths with, who would make eye contact with her. Mm -hmm. And it was certainly my mother that had, I think, the most fun, sort of out for walks with her and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think her favorite line was, uh, we're not from this village. We're not from this village. I loved that. <laughs> that. And and my, my favorite, we're on holiday. We're but on with holiday. A, with a, somewhere between a, a Peppa Pig British accent <laughs> and a bluey Australian accent. We're on so holiday. So somewhere between, we're not from this village, we're on holiday, and... People had no idea exactly where Anisha was from. No, and yeah, it was so much fun. <laughs> no, it sounded it sounded really really cute. And your mom just she she was in such delight telling us the story of their adventure and all the people they talked to and just niche like relating to people again, like you know, just strangers. It's not your classroom. It's not you know the the daycare where you once were and now your little sister is. It's like these are. New people, like new fresh people, and they might be on vacation they, on Do holiday you like my sunglasses? too. Like, but I just love that we're. I'm not from here. I'm from Vermont. We're from a different village. I just love that. It was super cute. 
Um, well, it was, it was certainly a good time and it was really great to get away. So thank, thank you very much for including me. One thing we didn't get done on our work slash vacation trip was this podcast. So do you think no. that maybe we should get to some questions so that we could get this to Chris, our editor, before it goes out today? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question of the show this week is titled Awkward Office Problem. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I am fairly new to my current job, less than two months in. Congratulations on your new job. And I've already noticed a particular coworker who moves at a fairly slow pace, you know, doesn't get things done quickly. Not to toot my own horn, but purely for context, I have been praised for the amount of work I've already done since starting here. Recently, the slower coworker approached me and asked if I would finish something that he was assigned to do. This makes me feel uncomfortable. I know that I'm capable of doing it, but I feel that if it's too much for him, he should tell her supervisor and the supervisor should reassign it. I don't think it's right for me to just pick up the work when, I, when it was assigned to him. 
But I also don't feel right about telling my supervisor what the coworker has asked of me because I don't want the coworker to be upset. What should I do? Is there a sample script for this scenario? Thanks, Shelly. Shelly, thank you so much for the question. This is a potentially tricky situation, but I do think that there are some relatively simple things that you can do that are going to help you work your way through it. Congratulations on the new job <laughs> yeah, and for feeling good about it and for doing it well enough that people around you are looking to you as someone who they want help from. That is oftentimes a good sign about your role somewhere. Having said that, you don't always want to be doing other people's work and it is okay to say no, particularly if someone doesn't manage you, if you don't report to them. And oftentimes that's the easiest way to redirect a request like that. You can respond something along the lines of, oh, did so-and-so ask? Or I'd be happy to, I should really check with so-and-so if you would be happy to, and you want to check with so-and-so. But it's a way to affirm and connect with the person who's made the request of you that there is someone who you know that you're responsible to, and that's the person that either the request should come through or that you're going to need to check with before you can say yes. I think that's perfect, Dan, because it really exactly highlights the issue that's making our, our listener, Shelly, feel uncomfortable, which is that idea of this isn't the normal sort of um, – I don't want to say chain of command, but pr process that we go through here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or this isn't like my work comes from my supervisor, not my coworker. And yes, I could just take it on, but I'm new here and I really want to like follow the, the sort of proper procedures for stuff. And it, it might be that your, your supervisor ends up saying, yeah, and don't worry about running stuff like that by me in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, in which case then, you have a lot of autonomy to say, yes, I'm happy to take that work on or no, I actually, you know, was, uh, I don't know, you probably wouldn't say I was looking forward to a light work week. <laughs> no, I don't want to take on your load. But you might just simply say, I, I'm sorry, I can't take that on this week. Feel free to ask again another time or don't add that on if you don't want someone asking again another time. But I like this idea of thinking about the structure that you're working within and leaning on that structure to get this particular awkwardness to a place that feels more comfortable. I definitely think it's worth mentioning and also worth considering this idea that you don't want to report to your boss on someone else asking you to help them out with something. And I think that is something that's worth keeping an eye on or being aware of the idea of being a tattletale or um, someone that's communicating about someone, something that's negative without talking to them about it or addressing it with them yourself if you could are things that could be problematic in a long-term work relationship and being new and thinking about maintaining those relationships and getting to know people i think you're wise to to be aware of that possibility so that you can avoid it shelly thank you so much for the question keep up the great work at the new job and we hope it continues to go well there are a lot of odd jobs that don't seem ever to get done who's going to do those we all have spare time. Their ideas help their family. See how many would help your family. Our next question asker wonders, should we be invited? My daughter-in-law has a brother who is getting married in early June. My daughter-in-law is pregnant and we are having a granddaughter in May. We and my daughter-in-law's parents are the grandparents of the new baby. 
We have entertained my daughter-in-law's parents on various occasions and have always included my daughter-in-law's brother. Should we be invited to the wedding? Are we family? Anonymous. Dan, I love the way this question was asked because it's got a should in it. And and should is one of those words that, that we use a lot when we're talking about etiquette advice. We do. This is how it should go. And yet, like, I can never forget my therapist had a card. There were, there were business cards in her, in her office, and they all had these wonderful little sayings on them. You could take one with you as a little pocket reminder, you know. And it was the word should with a big old, you know, the, the circle with the line through it. <laughs> like, don't should yourself. And... I think that this is a, a a good place to to remember that that the word should doesn't always serve us well. When it comes to weddings, it's funny because the the people throwing the wedding are operating under a lot of shoulds. But those who are outside of that, it's a really good idea to drop those shoulds because it can start to feel like uh, like you're being left out when you shouldn't be. And the reality is weddings are such personal events and there are so many reasons why a venue number, uh, other family members from the other side of the, the wedding party and everything, there might be reasons why you fall into the category of too, too far extended out, even though you entertain and, and socialize with these folks at some different events. It might be that the wedding is the one where either the event is really small or the other guests that have to be invited or who just fall unfortunately higher up on that priority chain end up being the ones that do exactly that. They fall higher up on that priority chain and there's only so much room at the wedding. So should is is one of those where I, I try to really back off when it comes to weddings as a guest and I'm hearing myself say that. I've certainly felt this way myself sometimes. Dan had to, you know, coach me through a really disappointing, I, I didn't make the cut to the wedding that I, I thought I should have been invited to. And those shoulds can really get you into that place. But Often when it comes to these in-laws that we celebrate with because our, our child, our sister, our, you know, our sibling or somebody is close with them or even directly related to them now via marriage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always connect us to that extended, extended family. You know what I mean? It's like you aren't considered family to your daughter's brother-in-law or your daughter-in-law's brother in this case. It's like the, the in-law thing kind of stops at the immediate level, you know, the immediate family level. You're the one that taught me that in terms of the, really? the, the technical use of the term. I, I would just use in-laws with like anybody who married into a family with any relationship. So if I had a cousin, they got married. That was now my cousin-in-law. Or if I had an aunt yeah. and she married, that was my <laughs> well, uncle. You might but, describe it that way to get people there quicker. But you're right. It's not a technical. <laughs> and it is also true that this is how families grow and feel connected and – I love the pairing of these two questions, the should we be invited to the wedding and are, are we, family? we family? Yeah, And it would seem that those two questions would be really connected. And as I first read this question, even before I went back and sort of reminded myself of what all of these different relationships were and exactly where the connections were or maybe weren't in terms of how extended we're talking about a familial relationship, that not everyone from a family always gets invited to a wedding. Wedding 
Kessler's decisions are really tricky and we do our best oftentimes and oftentimes the good etiquette advice is to try to think in clusters and people who are similar sort of relationship distance from the couple and trying mm-hmm. to include everyone that you can in the cousin circle or the sibling group. But it's not always possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, there are situations where, as Dan was saying, you, your your family really is made up the way your family is, you know what I mean? Um, and, and you could, you might be very close to this young man and that, that might warrant it. But again, because he's in the position of getting married and he's in the position of creating the guest list, it's upon him to balance and, and, and his partner and, and the hosts of the party to, to balance out those relationships and figure out what makes sense for this particular event. And that's something that I would believe it or not, ta- even though it sounds very personal, I would take it less personally because there are so many other factors that are coming in to determine that particular guest list for this particular event that I like, for instance, I anonymous, what I don't want you to feel is that if you don't get invited to this, that the brother doesn't think you're family when you might think he's family. Instead, take it to that notch of circumstances. The, the weddings are complicated. There are only so many seats often available at a wedding. Um, and they probably had to make some tough decisions. Um, and then move forward by celebrating all the ways that you normally celebrate and include this person and their, their new spouse if you can and want to. And you, you might have some events that are more intimate family gatherings that, that you all do with the new baby and everything. You never know. But to not, not worry so much that it has any kind of a, a negative impact if you, if you aren't an, or a negative uh, association if you aren't invited to this wedding. Anonymous, thank you so much for the question, and we really hope that you continue to feel more and more like a big family moving forward. Mother, why do you suppose Mary didn't invite me to her party? Are you sure you didn't get an invitation? Maybe they thought he wouldn't want to go to a party. They probably thought I wouldn't know how to act. Hey, now, your name's Cindy, not Cinderella. Our next question is titled, Tricky Truck Question. Hi, Daniel and Lizzie. My question is about getting help from friends with trucks. Dan, has it officially taken the, the seven years, 352 episodes to get to this question? I battle this question all the time when my dad had a truck. I can't wait to get into it. I'm so sorry for the sidebar. Okay. In general, I try not to ask friends to use their trucks to move things unless it's been offered, because I know a lot of people who own trucks get asked for a lot of favors. In my case, I just recently moved to a new town with no furniture, and I've had a few people offer me their trucks in case I should need it down the road. What would be a good way to thank someone I just met for helping me transport furniture? Should I buy them dinner? Give them a card? I'm struggling to know what to do since it's not really a friend of mine. Thanks, Mario. Mario, I love this question. Mario, before I let Lizzie post, just go to town on this one. (laughs) I'm just excited. I can't wait to hear Dan's thoughts on the matter. (laughs) I'm going to narrow my focus down to a sort of a sub-question that I'm seeing here, which is, how do I thank someone I just met for helping me transport furniture, is the question that you ask. And To me, that is a very different question than how do I thank someone for letting me use their truck or how do I ask to borrow a truck well or think about the 
trickiness of that truck question. Should we and tackle them both? Because they're both good questions. They are. And I, but I, I, I thought the tricky truck question, frankly, is so much fun. And the someone helping you transport furniture is really a big favor. That is awesome. And that person I'm looking to do something really nice for. I want to invite them to dinner or um, let them know that I owe them a favor in a way that um, they know they can count on me. I was going to say point, that they could something. really lean on and actually like <laughs> entertain. That's a big, that's a really big favor. It's a really nice thing. And thinking seriously about how you thank someone for, for doing that kind of work with you is, is a really good idea. The question of borrowing a truck, there are so many ins and outs to it. There are so many ways to think about it. Um, I'm really curious, Lizzie, because you were the gatekeeper for your father's <laughs> truck for a long time. My gatekeeper. I kind of was a gatekeeper for that truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Now my brain is filled with lots of memories. Um, <clears throat> truck borrowing. Uh, I think that when it comes to to borrowing the truck where it's you 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 get the truck, you get to go off and use it for however long you've you've said you're going to use it for and then bring it back to the person. And they're not really involved in the moving because I'm, I'm with you, Dan, that I think that moving the furniture that does a, a dinner out, you know, a, a gift card to a nice restaurant in town or something like that or an, an a very serious. And then I would say followed up upon offer of helping someone else or really keeping an ear out if you do hang out with this person. Let's say I know you're new to town, so they might not be friends yet, Um, but you've got their phone number clearly. Like Making that offer every three, six months, year, something like that of just, hey, you know, I still remember how helpful it was when you helped me move. Please let me know if there's anything coming up that you could use an extra hand on. Whoa, what a text message to receive. You know, very nice. Um, I I totally have have tangented myself though. The borrowing of the truck, the actual truck. I think that when you you take it, you use it, you bring it back. The number one thing is that you bring it back with either a full tank or having at least replaced the amount of gas that you use. Different budgets might vary, and I think that my big thing is the timing that you really make it clear when the person will get their vehicle back. And that doesn't necessarily mean you dictating it. It might mean them dictating it. Um, it's, it's the, when do you need the truck back by? And then really doing your very best to not just, okay, so we'll take as many loads as fast as we can and go, but be strategic, you know, take the things you really can't carry first, get rid of everything you couldn't carry or deal with without the truck first. That way, if you do go over time, you're able to say, no, I got all the big stuff I really needed it for finished. It's just little stuff and I can figure that out between Ubers and buses or something like that. But I think those are the the two big ones for me are that you you're replacing the gas that you've used or you're filling up the tank as a thank you. And then uh, you're also um, and not just as a thank you, but because it, it is the the good good right thing to do, especially with gas prices starting to go up. But then I think it's making sure you get it back on time. The third thing obviously would be that you really want to be returning it in the condition it was found. No dents. If you are moving heavy stuff that you're putting 
down a, a blanket or a tarp or something, you know, so that you're not scratching the truck in any way, just that you're really being super cautious. This is someone else's vehicle. Um, depending on the year, make and model, I mean, gosh, the, the price can run way more than I could afford if something happened to it. I'll tell you that. And so I think it's, it's one of those things where you, you recognize the, the bigness of the favor that you're receiving, um, by really using extreme caution and, and making sure that this truck is going to be returned in the exact condition it was lent to you in. That's, that's my rant on trucks. <laughs> And I heard it kind of wove into all of those points, this idea, too, that you're thanking all the time, that you're yes. genuinely appreciative that a truck is a resource. And it's one of those resources that when you need it, it's just really great to have. And there's a certain cost associated with keeping it those other times when you don't need it. And yes. really being appreciative of the person that's doing that and trying to figure out a way that they can feel really good about that resource getting used is – um, a big part of it. And just even acknowledging that, how great it is that this was available and they were willing to do it. So you flesh out that thanks a little bit with some some personal connection and some acknowledgement of what they've done for you. I feel like even though it's completely not related to etiquette, I have to break out that the other morning, Dan and I both called each other to geek out on the Ford Lightning electric truck that like has enough battery power to to generate your house, you know, to be a generator for your house. Like if your power goes out, like we were like drooling over this truck, talking about like when we could get to the point where we might be able to have that ex extra car. I know you have an extra car, but like have an extra utility car that's like this truck, this particular truck. We could dream, guys. Oh, we could anyway. dream. Tr trucks are really, really useful. Really, really useful. People who have trucks, thank you so much for your patience and understanding with the rest of us who who are in awe want to make the jump and and either can't or haven't because your constant lending out of your vehicle um it helps a lot of people and i just yeah you know big big round of applause makes for the, the world go the, round the truck the truck drivers who make a difference to the rest of us or the truck owners who make make a difference to the rest of us and let us borrow i hope there are many thank you notes in your future and that would be the other thing i would say mario is that no dan said thank all the way throughout and then you had mentioned a card never hurts to send a card as a follow-up if you can and if you don't have the person's address you could do that thing i do which is take the take the card write the handwritten card shoot them the text message with a picture of it and you could even so dying to send this to you please shoot me a mailing address um, i thought you were gonna say leave it on the dash oh 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 well yes if you're that coordinated and you're able to get to a store and get a card to be able to leave when you return the car that would be really really nice and for um, anyone out there laughing at us for suggesting thank you notes for borrowing a truck this is an etiquette show. Yeah. And thank you notes are really, they, they are remarkably powerful. People will appreciate them, even people who drive trucks. I promise. Yes, 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 yes. Mario, thank you so much for such a great question. There are almost 5 million trucks in operation, and most of them in private business. Special products are hauled in special trucks. For modern civilization depends on wheels. Our next question is about money instead of gifts. Hello, my daughters are both getting married soon, and they have both decided that they want money instead of gifts. Is this proper etiquette? If so, how do they make that known on invitations or otherwise? Thanks. 
Mother of the Brides. Aw, I like that Mother of the Brides, plural. Mother of the Brides, plural. Money money now is something that you can ask for, but rather than ask for it instead of gifts entirely, because that does start to feel very directed, you know, I think that the best way to do this is have both of your daughters set up small, small registries with some items on it. And not like three item registries, you know, but like... A, a decent amount, enough that, you know, 15, 20, 20 guests, if you're thinking of like a 120 person wedding or something like that, or maybe more, 30 guests would, would still be able to buy a gift for them if they wanted to. But then use the wedding website as a place to also have a link to a cash registry. I personally always like seeing this as something that's, that's a actual like a wedding gift fund type thing as opposed to just a Venmo handle, you know? I don't know why, but dressing it up as that like wedding cash registry as opposed to just here's my Venmo handle, I think does kind of give it a, a little a little bit of more of a wedding themed, you know, approach to it. But you can absolutely have that link as an option. The reason to do a registry with some physical gifts is because not everybody feels comfortable giving cash. And it's it sometimes people already have an idea in mind of what they'd like. They had something they received as a wedding gift and they thought it was the best thing ever and they really want to give it to you. There's a lot of different uh, reasons why we choose to give the type of wedding gift that we give and allowing your guests who are obligated to give you a gift, you know, allowing them to have some choice in the matter, not just having that one line that says, please, you know, give us cash or please, which is not what you would write. What would help us the most would be to have the freedom to make some decisions as they come, you know, like people word it all different ways. But the idea is that you don't need specific things or you have kind of a, a broader general sort of topic area that you're going after. So like I've seen wedding registries where the only thing you're giving is cash, but it's all to fund furniture for the house or something like that. You know, so there's like a an idea that the guest has of what this money is going to go do in the couple's new life. And I think that theming it that way really, A, helps keep the wedding theme a part of it. B, gives people some idea of what they're giving to. And then C, sorry, different topic. When you have that registry with the gifts, it gives people who aren't comfortable with cash the option to give a gift. You might say to yourself, yeah, but you don't have to get things off the registry. So why would someone feel obligated to only do the cash registry if that was the only one they saw? It's really nice to make the ease of a registry. It helps guests know your style. It helps them know exactly the types of things that you would want. And having that alongside your cash registry, it's just very thoughtful and considerate for your guests. And it's entirely possible that people will get you something that's on neither of those lists, that they will ignore the registry, ignore the suggestions. And even as I say it, I'm also remembering that the vast, vast majority of people are looking for some direction, are happy to take some direction and yep. making it really easy for people with, uh, as Lizzie says, a well-designed cash registry and a few other options makes so much sense. Mother of the Brides, we know how much work it is to plan one wedding. Good luck with two. We wish you the best and congratulations. Congratulations. 
thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we are hearing from longtime listener Lovna on episode 347, if you should bring a hostess gift to a play date. Dan, take us away. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I have three kids, and before they all started school, we went to a lot of play dates, and I totally understand what the listener was saying. I found that these were very informal gatherings, and I would usually bring some sort of food item. It could be a cake I made, cookies, something as simple as homemade Rice Krispie squares. These were always a hit, and still are. If the kids are too small to enjoy the food, I would bring something for the adults to eat, like fresh-baked bread or a dip with nachos. Everyone always appreciated the food, and I didn't feel I was going over the top or bringing something I couldn't sustain in the long run. If food isn't an option, I would even bring a little craft item for the kids. Since the kids were the same age as my own, I would pick items my kids enjoyed playing with, like perler beads. I just thought I would share. I feel this listener shouldn't abandon her ways of being generous, but find a way that works for her. It's always a great feeling to enjoy food with friends. Oh, I love—I absolutely love that. Lovna, thank you so much for the feedback. And it is so good to hear from you. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next question, comment, or feedback to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're getting a bit nostalgic. We each stopped by to gaze at the Emily Post house on Fuller Street in Egertown, Massachusetts during our vacation. And while it was June and the gardens weren't in bloom yet, the house still feels like home. It still looks like Emily's house. And I just, it's, I'm so glad that it is still there to be able to have those moments with Dan you had a really great idea for today's postscript, and that was to honor the place where Emily wrote so many of her wonderful books on etiquette from by reading a, a passage from Laura Claridge's biography on Emily Post uh, about her vineyard home. It was definitely impossible to spend a few days editing a new edition of Emily Post <laughs> etiquette in Edgartown and not think about the fact that Emily wrote a lot there in that environment. And um, it definitely inspired us to take a look back. And today's reading is going to come from the Laura Claridge biography that we love so much. Um, and it's actually the beginning of chapter 45, page 281 for anybody who would be interested. Laura begins, 
Though, by the mid-1920s, it was already a popular vacation spot for the well-heeled. Martha's Vineyard, cold in the winters, remained a natural paradise for foxes and pheasants, dunes and marshes. Emily's annual visits to Catherine Collier's summer rental finally convinced her to buy her own house on what she had begun to consider an almost magical island. She had been looking for a replacement for Tuxedo Park for a while, and not just because of the humidity. Her time there had passed. It was right for her son's generation to hold their own autumn balls these days. At her leisure over the past few years, she had considered everything from the Morgan acreage in the Adirondacks to a seaside location on Long Island. Once she visited Catherine on Martha's Vineyard, however, she knew she was home. Later, she explained that her ancestral link to John and Priscilla Alden of Mayflower fame called her to Massachusetts. <laughs> What's more certain is that before making a final commitment, she ensured that her immediate family would cooperate. She worked out a deal with my parents before making the purchase, Bill Post recalls fondly. I would spend every summer shuffling back and forth between Grandmama's and my parents, two or three weeks in Edgartown, then the next session at Tuxedo, so on and so forth. The white, clappered, green, shuttered cottage she finally settled on included a private beach about a quarter of a mile from her door on Fuller Street. Within view of the harbor, within walking distance of the village, the location was perfect for a woman unable to drive a car. Even the name of the real estate agent who sold her the property, Littleton C. Wimpenny, seemed <laughs> scripted for the creator of Etiquette's flamboyant characters. I was going to say, it sounds like a character out of her books. <laughs> The house had been remodeled several times already before she bought it. While tearing down the roof and the widow's walk, Emily uncovered a piece of tile bearing the words, This house was reshingled in 1828. Hmm. Romantically, if inaccurately, Emily described the 1778 <laughs> residence as an old gray fisher cottage, weather-beaten and squatty. She loved how her new home balanced a sense of the timeless with the temper of the modern day. The island's slightly stodgy reassurance anchored to the busyness of Boston, less than an hour and a half away by pleasant ferry and car trip. Most important, her son was going to help her renovate the entire house. She and Bruce spent the beginning of 1927 happily arguing over the best ways to update the friendly miniature farmhouse, so appealing that the young architect pushed her to travel to the island early, even before the season began. It was easy for Bruce to plead his case for an early departure as they celebrated his 32nd birthday at the beginning of February. We'll leave it there. I was going to say, oh. That was the beginning of Emily in Negertown. <laughs> that was very, very cool. Very, very cool. It is a treat to get to, to delve back in and hear a little bit about what it was like for her when she first got the house and was first working on that property and, and making it her own. Certainly does not resemble any kind of a salty sea shack at this point. <laughs> <But> <laughs> You really get a sense for how the, the magic of the island captured her, that she was <laughs> looking for a place and there was something about that that place yeah, that, yeah. that really inspired her. And just having watched it have that <laughs> same effect on Anisha just three <laughs> days, four days ago, um, it, it's really fun to think about. No, it, it really, really, really is. It really, really is. It's very, very cool. Cuz thank you so much for for diving into the biography and and giving us a taste of of what it was like for Emily when she was first getting to know this space that we then think of her so much as as having occupied. It was very very kind of cool to hear the origin story there. You're most welcome. <laughs>
We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we have a salute from Elise that happens to be a follow-up from episode 242, Neighbors and Fences. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is Elise. I'm calling to follow up from episode 242, Neighbors and Fences. Actually, here we are an entire two years later, and five neighbors in a row happened to all get a fence in the backyard. And it did take some knocking on doors and getting everyone to come out with masks on during the pandemic to get this going. Uh, the fence company was very thankful to have such a great influx in business all at once. And I wanted to give a salute. My neighbor, Gabriel, is about eight years old, and he plays a lot of sports in their backyard. And previously, he could just come get the ball, and now he does have to come knock on the door and ask to retrieve the ball or ask us to throw it back over for him. And he's done such a sweet job of doing this so far. He's so polite, always says please and thank you, always offers to make it as easy as possible on us. And I just think that's so sweet that the fence still made a good neighbor. So thank you all for the advice. I appreciate you. In the last two years, your podcast has been a weekly reminder of the good in the world. Elise, thank you so much for that salute. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please do connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by the incredibly awesome, amazing, patient, understanding, wonderful, did we say incredible already? Chris Albertine and is assistant produced by the incredible Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris.